Welcome back to Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your not-so-anonymous host. You all know that one of my goals for the podcast is to have guests on with a wide variety of stories. So when I learned about my friend Stephanie's dating situation, I thought to myself, well, that is very unique. I actually don't know anybody else in this situation, but that doesn't mean they're not out there and this could potentially be very helpful to people. So Stephanie's husband passed away in 2019 after a long marriage, and she is currently dating a woman. But honestly, that's not even why I think you should listen to this episode. While that is interesting and unique in and of itself, everyone's dating somebody new. So in my opinion, the gender of that person is more or less inconsequential. Although I know that that comes with its own cocktail of shifting mindsets and changes from life before to life after. But the reason I really think you should listen to this episode is because Stephanie speaks very eloquently about grief. She has grieved with both teenagers and a baby at home. She's managing a long-distance relationship, and she happens to be a grief coach. So I'm putting in my plug early to listen to this whole thing all the way through. Stephanie and I have become friends and chat pretty regularly. I think that you will get a lot out of this episode. So here is that conversation. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. <laughs> so I feel like I know you really well because you and I chat on Marco Polo all the time, which is nice. Um, but we really have kind of saved this conversation for the podcast specifically. So we really haven't talked much at all about your relationship. And no, I think we've been pretty careful. We have. So that's what we're here for today. I'm so excited. So will you start by giving us your story about your before life? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Danny and I met in 1995. I was a senior in high school. My sister was actually home from college for Thanksgiving break. It was around this time. And a friend wanted to go out and do something one night. And I did that little sister thing where you beg to come along. And <laughs> for whatever reason, she relented. And then the friend had brought Dan along. So the four of us went out and we had a good time together. He seemed like a nice guy. I was not attracted to him at all. <laughs> But he had a car. So <laughs> from there, he he really wanted to be dating me and he would do anything that I asked, go somewhere, pick stuff up. And so I started using him for his car for oh my gosh. a huge chunk of months. Yeah. Before I realized I was falling for him. And it was May of the next year when I said, you know what, I, I want to be in this. And we started dating. And it was super boring, storybooky kind of stuff. Um, because we were so young, we dated a long time. We were together five years before we got engaged. And then it was two more years before we were married. Um, How old were you when you met him? I was 17. Oh, actually, okay. I guess I was I guess I was 16 because it was November. But by the time I we were dating, my 17th birthday had rolled around. So, I mean, we still got married at like, you know, the usual young 20s or whatever. He was uh, two years older than me, like two okay. and a half years older than me. So it was like like a normal time for people to be getting married, but we had already been together for seven years at that point. After a couple of years, we had our first child. Over the years, we had three. We had two, two years apart, and then an 11-year break that oh. I, yeah, thought we were having two kids, but in fact, we were having a third. Okay. Uh, yeah. The surprise and, gift child. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I mean, I told him I was expecting and he goes, that's great. And I'm like, this is terrible. What are you talking about? <laughs> but that was Dan all over. He absolutely loved babies. Uh, it was his favorite stage. I'm sort of grateful now because I have way more pictures of Dan than I think I would because you take a lot of pictures of your baby and... I tend to be the picture taker, which meant that when he was holding the baby, he was in the pictures. So I have so many just from that baby year because he died in 2019 when our littlest was uh, 13 months old. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that you had such a young baby yeah. when that happened. Well, my bigger two were 13 and 11, and now the kids are 17, 15, and four. It's just okay. with the big stretch in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's a good point about the pictures because probably when your older ones were little, like the technology wasn't there as much. 
Yeah, I mean, and there are, you know, some from that point too, for sure. sure. But I mean, you're right. I mean, you just, everything, I'd moved off a regular camera to my phone, I think was like really the big difference, yeah. you know? Now it was always in my hand, so. Okay, so you said your older two were 11 and 13 when he passed? Yeah. Okay. This is really interesting too to talk to you about because, you know, I, I get questions from people that are like, what do we do with teenagers? And then the people who are like, this is so hard with babies and you're doing both. Yeah. Ah. And it's easier and it's harder. The big two helped me a lot with the little guy, mm -hmm. which is huge. I mean, yeah. you know how it is with support network and finding people that are the right kind of help and want to help when somebody falls through that they can always be there and, and take yeah. care of things. And that's huge. And they also, I mean, there's someone else in the house loving him, you know, and yeah. all that stuff. But it's also harder, like sometimes when I'm having a conversation with a teenager and, you know, they get really heated about some big important issue. It's not uncommon for me to be trying to keep my head for that. And my little guy will literally be pulling on my leg, yelling, mm -hmm. mommy, mommy, mommy. And it's like, I can do you yeah. or I can do yeah. you. <laughs> oh my gosh. So times like that, it's really, you know, the headspace, you know how it is. The headspace you're in when you have a baby is it's a different headspace from when your kids are bigger and they have different needs. So it can yeah. feel like whiplash to have to bang back and forth between them. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think even just parenting new humans is like draining and exhausting to begin with. And then you add the grief and the teenagers. Yeah. And yeah, that's a lot to be dealing with, Stephanie. Yeah. All right. So can you share with us how your husband died? Yeah, Danny uh, died suddenly in his sleep on my birthday. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, you know, we had a perfectly normal night the night before. He was a little tired and went to bed early. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a little later I went to bed. And then in the morning his alarm was going off. And I would never hear Dan's alarm. He always hit it really early so because he didn't want to wake me. I have so many sleep issues. And so he was really cognizant and protective of that. And so his alarm was going off. Took me a little while to even figure out like what was happening. And then mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to turn off the alarm. I think I managed to snooze it. Mm -hmm. But while I was on the phone with 911 is when it started going again. And I left it for the first responders to figure out. So that entire morning of dealing with, you know, what do I do? I, I had to call my oldest, who was 13 at the time. He was already awake because he was an early riser. I had to ask him to try and help me with his father. Then we had to figure out what to do about the baby and all of these things. And yeah. in the background, there was just kind of this alarm mm. going. And that was my 41st birthday. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of trauma for you and the kids. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's always so hard to like transition to anything mm -hmm. else after the story like that, because, you know, it's like we know and everybody knows who's listening that there was like nothing positive, good for a long time after that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, How is your support network? I, I never really know. Is it good? Is it bad? I mean, I do feel like I'm thin on who I want to ask for certain things, like um, who I want to ask to say, watch Kieran. I think actually, no, it's not that it's thin. I think people don't recognize when you're solo parenting, how much you really need someone to take your children overnight. Yeah. Like, yes. And, and so that is what I'm, and people will always say, I'm happy to take him whenever you need. And it's, the thing is, if you're not going to take him overnight, then I need to be back at a fairly decent hour for picking up a child. If they're going to be at your place, I need to move this child and then put this child either back to bed or to bed. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just, I think, culturally uncommon to have small children do sleepovers. And so yeah. I'm a little shy about asking. It doesn't occur to people to offer. So that's a little thin. But the people around me are good and helpful. The teens, I hate to say it, are my largest support network, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I have started, I, th I posted about this a little while ago, but I have started every once in a while, I'll like pay a sitter to come and spend the night at my house. And I always feel so weird about it because I'm like, I'm paying somebody to be with my kids so I can go and have a nice night. Sure. And it feels a little like I'm paying for the fun involved. <laughs> I know. 
Yeah. And the other thing that always occurs to me is like, especially now that people know that I'm dating, I'm like, well, the second I ask for an overnight, then it's like my business is really out there, which it seems like I don't have an issue with since I'm talking about it openly on social media, but still this is anonymous. And also like, I don't really want my neighbors to know I'm having a sleepover. Right. But when you're looking for a babysitter for the night. (laughs) No. And I mean, and even if people know that you're dating and they know that that's happening, that doesn't mean we actually want to invite people to the specific scheduling of each time that we are doing this thing. Like, it's private. Yeah. It's all complicated. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So we have successfully transitioned into talking. (laughs) So let's talk about when things started to creep in for you in terms of lacking companionship and desire for love or intimacy or whatever it might have been. I was not ready to date at all for a year. I was thinking about it. I think that's actually a really important thing for, I don't know, people, widows, whatever, to have it validated. We spend so much time thinking about the idea that this is going to be a thing Mm -hmm. long before we know we are not ready. Mm -hmm. I made a dating profile that had a photo of a tree on it just to see what the apps looked like. (laughs) Oh my God, yes, wait, stop. We have to talk about that. (laughs) Did you do that? Create like, yes, I did. I made a profile. I just stuck some random name up, a yep. picture of a tree from my front yard, front yard, because yep. I was desperately frightened that someone would find me. Yep. Just so I could poke around and see what it looked like in there. Yes. I didn't think it was maybe four or five months out. I knew I didn't actually want to talk to anyone, date anyone. Absolutely not. But I wanted to know what I would be getting into when I was going to be getting into things. Totally. I'm so glad you said that. Okay. So I didn't actually do this, but I have thought about, well, I'm starting to do it now because I want to see like what's happening on the apps just so I can, you know, I can like help people who are asking. And um, I just think it's, I think it's smart. I also think that people need to know that the experience is not going to be the same at all as if you're putting up a real profile, right? So if you're doing that just to look at people, fine. But any Mm -hmm. interactions with people, that's like, don't don't judge interactions on that. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I just remember hitting download on Bumble and like the very first thing comes up and says like, what is your name? And immediately I was like, oh no, (laughs) should I type it in? And then will everyone know it? I mean- even gotten past that point you know totally it's like everybody yeah. in my town is gonna know that i'm on bumble if i put my name on there absolutely absolutely <laughs> they will like broadcast it from the streets uh, yeah it's just so Stephanie's funny he's dating uh-huh yeah yeah the scarlet letter right yeah although um, like i do think in some towns that's a legit thing that's right? true like, that could actually happen like in chicago not so much yeah but if you live yeah. in a small town I know it's a different scenario. Yeah, for sure. Craziest thing. It was literally the day after the first anniversary. I woke up that morning and thought, I think I can do this. Oh, that's so interesting. And I mean, I didn't feel like a lead up to thinking about dating. I just, for whatever reason, I woke up that morning and was like, okay. I mean, maybe I just was so consumed with the anniversary coming Mm -hmm. and then it came and it Mm -hmm. happened. And here we are. I'm still alive maybe I should look into dating. So two things about that. One is that actually the first time I ever talked to my boyfriend was on the night of the anniversary of my husband's. Like he messaged me that day and I was like, that's a weird, like now I'm like, that's a weird sign. But then the other thing is I, I have a question for you. Do you feel like subconsciously maybe you had an arbitrary date in mind, like get through the first year? I don't, but I mean, I wonder if I was doing that even before, before Dan died, whenever like things were hard, I'd be like, well, what's the next big good thing that I'm working toward? I have a feeling I probably approached that first year that way. Only it was what's the next thing I need to brace myself for, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I was just out of the things. Yeah. So, so whatever it was, I woke up that morning and I was like, we can do this thing. So that's okay. when I downloaded Bumble and made a profile and went on some truly terrible first dates. Oh my gosh. Okay. So when you made the profile now, it has your picture and you like yes. made a complete profile. Yep. Okay. Yep. An actual profile that was intentional that I screenshotted to trusted people to find out if this was in fact an okay profile. All that's of what that I did stuff. too. Absolutely. And I just started chatting with people. And I think I was just so 
antsy and excited to get to wherever it is that we were going that, I mean, anyone who wanted to start bantering, I was just like, oh, this is great. Let's do this thing. And so I was pushing out there a lot faster than you would to be having a perfectly nice relationship. And so guys can read what I'm saying and go, okay, this is, you know, what she's looking for. And I went on some very, very terrible first dates. Okay. And, can you, um, do you have any stories? You know, like just kind of slimy ones, you know, mm -hmm. like they're not even good stories. You just go meet a guy and you chat for like four minutes and then they're like copping feels. And instead of being like, ew, no, slapping them and running away, I'm just like, <laughs> with some like stupid giggle because I don't know what to do. I mean, <laughs> it, there's just this crazy headspace of okay the last time i dated i was 17 and i feel like i am exactly that experienced right now oh yeah and i'm just standing here in this 40 something body supposed to be the person who's in charge of this oh. and i do not know what i'm doing you know <laughs> yeah those and, first few dates are so strange i think and then you kind of yeah. start to get your feet under you but yeah. And then I ended up meeting a guy, a widow friend of mine actually was dating at the same time. And we started the whole nickname thing that's out there, you know, yeah. when you're so then I ended up meeting a guy who was really nice and also really, really not experienced at dating. And his what nickname, was his nickname? Boring guy. <laughs> he was so boring. Boring guy is also a boring nickname. Yeah, no, but I mean, there there was nothing else to come up with. I mean, he just was really, really bland, but he was nice and he wanted to go out and we could find a couple things that we were both interested in so we could sustain a conversation. I mean, at this point, it's September of 2020, so people aren't getting out much anyway, you know? Like, that's the thing. The day I decided I was ready to date was the last day of February of 2020. So mm. two weeks later, the world shut down, you know? Yeah. So it was not a lot of dates in that period of time. Yeah. And so then I dated boring guy for like four or five months. Oh, you did? Oh, I did. But he was I so boring. Did. He was super boring. Yes. <laughs> but he liked me and he okay. was nice. And yeah. I wanted someone to be dating. That was what I was doing. Yeah. So yeah, I dated him for a couple months and it never got interesting. And I mean, oh I know. I so know. wait, the whole time, did you feel like you were very aware that this was temporary? Or were you doing this thing where you were like, maybe this could be? I mean, the whole time was a seesaw of, you know, date was good. Maybe it's going to get better. And then the next one would be like, oh, that was so bad. <laughs> well, I don't know. The one before that was OK. Maybe the next one will be all right. Like it was just back and forth between this is never going to be good. And yeah. you don't know, maybe it just takes, he's clearly a person who's super shy. And it, once you break through there, the world of wonders is on the other side. You just yeah. have to stick it out, you know? Okay. Can I, can we like, can I ask the deep question of what do you think it was about boring guy or just that relationship, not, not even him that kept you coming back? I was afraid to be dating. Okay. I was dating someone, which meant I didn't have to go and try to find someone to date again. Yeah. Yeah. It's the putting yourself out there and the, yeah. the search and the hunt. And yeah, it was it was so, so difficult to put my heart into it when I finally ended it with him, because it was very clear that it was never going to be different than what it was. Yeah. At that point, then I downloaded Tinder and decided, you know what? The one thing that I feel okay about here is sex. So I'm just going to forget this whole trying to have a relationship with people mm. and I'm going to go and, and do this instead. So yeah. then I went into a couple months of that. It, it was what it was. I'm not going to say it was terrible. I'm not going to say it was great. Sure. I Everyone was safe. I was safe. And you're an adult. Um, yeah. And then and all throughout this, it doesn't sound like this is about dating, but it is going to be. Um, <laughs> I had built up a really good widow support network. 
I had gotten on a message board for widows super early in. I'd gotten to know people there. We'd put together a group chat and there are like, I don't know, 15 of us who chat all the time who are quote unquote spring 2019 widows. So we're all kind of on a similar timeline and my current girlfriend is one of my friends from there. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm at the point you're jumping ahead. You think I am, but I'm really not (laughs) jumping that far ahead. I'm at the end of the Tinder guys. There's one who's sort of reliable that I see every now and then. And I'm just having my regular chats with my friends. She and I had always been kind of flirty there. And, you know, one day we decided to take it to a private message. And we ended up having a conversation about, well, what would it be like to do a friends with benefits thing where they're actually your friend instead of these losers who really, really aren't, you know? In that conversation with her, mm-hmm. was your mindset already like it could be with her or were you thinking of other men? Oh, no, no. I mean, yeah, I, we were discussing what would Each it other. be like if they did this thing? Yeah. Okay. And there was a bit of, well, we just want to be clear that that's what this is because she lives a good distance from me. She's a four and a half hour drive. Okay. And so it was like, okay, I really care about our friendship. You really care about our friendship. If we want to do this, we need to be okay with if and when this ends, we're going to do the hard work of moving through the awkwardness to be able to still be friends afterwards. So, and that's a, that's a large distance for a friends with benefits situation. It is, it is, but I mean, you know, so there's really something there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it kind of felt like, well, if I don't have anything else really going on, I don't know when I'm going to find anything else. Seeing you every couple months will be nicer than what is currently happening. And that was also, you know, the case for her. It's like, this is better than what is currently happening in a relationship at all. Yeah. So why not? You know, and and the distance made it safe to say, yeah, all right, we're not going to get involved. It's not going to be something more. That's ridiculous. There's all this distance. Okay. Wait, hang on. Yeah. Before you move forward in the story, I have questions. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm sorry. I'm just no, going okay. on. Go ahead. Okay. Going back for a second to like the Tinder time. Did you feel like that fulfilled for you what you were hoping it would? I, yes and no. I mean, it, it took a little fishing to find a situation that was satisfying. And once I did, it did fulfill that. I don't know that I necessarily knew I eventually wanted to be in a relationship. I just, I, at that time, I still thought, man, it would be nice to be in a relationship, you know? Okay. Yeah. So were yeah. you like having your needs met, but you mm-hmm. there was still a desire for more? Yes. Yes, okay. for sure. Yeah. Just companionship, you know? Yeah. Okay. So then you start talking with your current girlfriend. Had you in the past ever entertained the idea of being with a woman before? Yeah. In fact, I did have a short dalliance in college. And it was funny because I was in college away from Dan and I said to him, you know, boy, this is interesting. And he's like, well, that wouldn't really be cheating. And I'm like, oh, it wouldn't. And he's (laughs) like, no, because that's hot. And I'm like, oh, gosh, great. This is a delightful loophole. So I go off, I have this dalliance, and then I come back and I tell him it happens. He starts to cry. And so he's like crying on the phone to me and I'm assuaging his feelings and, you know, saying all the right nice things. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, darn, I guess that's it for that. (laughs) You know? Well, it's funny. I do think that that is like, like, I don't know if it's still like this, but when I was in college, it was for sure like, oh yeah, if you kiss a girl, that's not the same. Oh, for sure. But not anymore, I don't think. But Well, and and, no, yeah, I think it's not anymore. And I think that he also really thought that it wouldn't bother him and that it wouldn't feel the same. And then once he was confronted with it, it was like, oh, this does feel really bad. You know, you obviously have feelings and yeah, you know, so so that was the end of that. But I mean, and okay. throughout our marriage, I mean, when we would watch like, you know, like some blockbuster movie, you know, we, we would both think that the heroine was good looking or whatever. So, sure. yeah, you know, I mean, yes, it's always been there. But also, you know how it is when you're in a happy marriage. It's kind of like, well, none of it is there. You know, it's you, yeah, it's of course. Me, 
There are no other people, really. And you specifically and intentionally say no to other things to honor your husband and yeah. and to stay faithful in that marriage. And yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I don't know if this is true for everyone, but for me, like once that's happening for long enough and it's habitual, you almost forget to even look at other people as mm-hmm. like a possibility. Oh my you know? gosh. Yes. I, yes. This is one of the biggest things that happened with me with my boyfriend in the beginning is like, I was so used to finding all the faults in every other man that wasn't my husband so that I wouldn't become attracted to them ever. I was just like, well, like, yeah, he's super good looking, but he like this and this and this. And I was doing that with him to begin with. And then I started to realize like, oh my God, all I'm seeing him for is his faults. And he has all these amazing qualities. Like, what am I doing? And like, that was interesting. Yeah. Like, I just feel like, you know, if we were at a party and he introduced me to someone and I thought, oh, that guy is cute. Like it didn't occur to my brain to then go, gosh, I wish I was single and could be with him. Like, it's just, was, yeah, no, there wasn't, it's like, I just ran into this wall that I'd erected and I couldn't think beyond that guy's cute. You know, that girl's pretty. Yeah. And I think that's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It worked for us. So. Okay. And what about her? Had she entertained the idea of being with women before or had she been? Yes. Yeah. She was married to a woman Okay, and and her wife passed away. So. Okay. So do you feel like she made the first move towards this or did you, or how did that? No, it was definitely me. Okay. Um, she's very careful around straight people. Um, you know, because it can really come off the wrong way, you know? Yeah. I think they're, it's interesting because things are so different now, mm-hmm. but since we're not far apart in age, I am somewhat familiar with what the climate was like coming out, you know, in those young ages, which would have been like in the nineties, Yeah, what it was like to do that at that time. And so one of the things that you learn just to take care of yourself and be safe is you don't do anything with straight people. Straight people need to let you know, you know? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, so how did this progress? So we decide that, okay, this would be a fun thing. And then she's like, okay, well then we should meet up. And I'm like, oh, like this does not occur to me. <laughs> You're like, oh wait, it's going to actually happen. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So we made plans to meet up within a couple of weeks and, and we did, and it was wonderful in two ways. It was wonderful being there with her. It also was my first time going away from the kids for like three days or something like it felt like a month it was just a shock to my system to discover that it takes 24 hours just to stop being in that mom headspace and just breathe and be a person Mm -hmm. And to still, because what I would do ordinarily is I'd send my little guy off for a sleepover or send all three of them off for a sleepover and I would get a break, but I don't think I ever really turned everything off. Yeah. So we got together, we were both awkward and uncomfortable about what is this going to be like, as we had discussed, you know, we might stand there face to face and be like, you know what, actually, maybe not, you know, like, <laughs> you know how it is. It's 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 just like it is with the online dating where you really think that something is feeling right with someone and then you yeah. meet them and the vibe is just not there. And before but, you so, did this weekend getaway, mm-hmm. did you talk or FaceTime or what did you do besides just texting? I can't remember if we got on the phone before. I think we did. Okay. If we didn't get on the phone, then that would mean that we only texted before we met up for a full weekend. That feels very risky to me. I know, but we were good friends and we both agreed and we knew it would be awkward, but if it didn't feel like it was the right thing, it meant that we got to have a weekend away with a good friend. Okay. All right. So we were like, all right, this we can, we can try, we can go do this. So we met up there. It was awkward and uncomfortable for the first <laughs> couple hours. And, you know, finally, she was just it was just that standoff of mm-hmm. who's going to who's make, a, make move. a move. And finally, she's yeah. And finally, she said to me, I'm going to kiss you now. And I said, OK. And yeah. from there, it was really good. So that began our, okay, we're friends with benefits. And so we saw each other here and there like a couple times. And I went up there for New Year's Eve with my kids. We stayed for the weekend. And I really felt a shift in our relationship at that point. Like 
In fact, her mother-in-law took a picture of us that weekend and she had sent a copy of this picture to me. And looking at the picture and seeing the two of us just sitting in front of a fire, like gazing at each other, I was like, man, this this feels like dating. Mm. And I said to her, you know, this this is starting to feel like Daddy to me. And she said, yeah, me too. And so at that point, there was a big shift and we were like, okay, then this is what we're doing is this is weird and it's really far and maybe impractical, but I want to be with you. Mm. And so in the meantime of seeing each other, were you talking on the phone? Were you texting? Like, how did you maintain the relationship? Um, it was still a lot of texting. I introduced her to Polo. Marco Polo, everyone's mm-hmm. favorite. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah. <laughs> It's my favorite too. Yeah. So, so yeah. So in Marco Polo, phone calls, texts. Okay. And once we started dating, we decided, okay, we're going to try for like every like four to six weeks. And I think it's been a little bit more frequent than that. Yeah. We do find now that four weeks is long. That's a long time. It's long. It used to not feel long early on. It feels long now. And we've talked about how that's odd that it seems like we should get more used to it but instead we're less patient with it. Yeah. yeah. I had this moment, This I think it was this past week, my boyfriend was traveling and I was like, this sucks. I miss him so much and I want him to come home. And But then I was just like, you know what? It's so good to miss somebody. It like feels exciting and like my whole body can feel it, you know? And I'm like, this is for me anyway, it's like such this contrast to married life where you're just like, in it every day and blah, blah, you know, it's like, this is like, I'm living with this constant sense of longing and desire and I'm here for it. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because since the breaks are always at least a couple weeks long, the interim can be very different each time. Like if we have a disagreement Mm -hmm. in between, it can be really hard, you know, and then it can be like really longing to get back together to feel right and be together at the same time. You know, it can be one where things are really easy. Sometimes time drags, sometimes it flies. Each time has a slightly different feel. I really love that you're making it work with the distance though, because I think this seems to be, from what I'm sort of reading and hearing about and everything, it seems to be a trend that more people are open to long distance relationships because the technology is so good. Yeah, I mean, I think it absolutely, before Dan died, my phone never ran out of charge. <laughs> I I probably sent five texts a day. Yeah. He died and that thing glued to my hand. And I used to judge people who were on their phones all the time. I was like, you know, you should get out there and live your life. Mm-hmm. But my support network used to live right here in my house with me. Yeah. And the second he died, it was outside these walls. Yeah. And so when I needed someone, they were in there. And so I think for, I mean, I don't know about outside of our community, but for our community, I mean, especially when you're younger and widowed, you feel like you're the only one. The place that you find the other ones is online. Yeah. And so then you're conversant with meeting people and having a place to be that is online. And so whether you're dating widows or not, you're just already, I think, a little bit more comfortable with finding people on the internet, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think my experience is the same. This is also why I'm like so excited to be hosting these trips because I'm like, oh my gosh, to take it off of the World Wide Web and like do something together is so exciting. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like there was this immediate transition to me being in, you know, like locked into my phone and like just getting out of my life. And as I do better, you know, as I'm moving forward, I'm finding what I really want to do is now get back out. I want to be going and doing the things that my body is doing, you know? Yeah. And I think that like, I think it's totally natural for it to take that time and different time for different people and all that. Okay. So where do you ladies stand now? You know, because it's a little harder to be waiting the amount of time that it takes. We're, you know, we're talking about what are the next steps? Does it make sense to be blending? Mm -hmm. If we do, I mean, it'll be a crew of us, but it was funny. I kind of realized one day I like thought about it. She has two kids and I thought, oh my gosh, seven people in one house, that would be crazy. And then I backtracked a second and thought, well, Stephanie, you come with three. Someone only has to have one for it to definitely <laughs> be a lot of, you know, like- A lot I, of people. I, yeah, I can't point any fingers. I come with three of them. 
Um, So yeah, we're talking about what that would look like, where we would want to be, would we want to be here, would we want to be there? You know, we're just kind of feeling that out because the one thing that we do know about all of it is that we want to be together. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So can we talk about your kids? Yes. Okay, do they know that you're together as a couple? They do. Dating. Okay, so at what point did you talk to them about that and how did that conversation go? I told them we were dating before we were dating because you don't tell your kids you have a friends with benefits. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but for me in my head, and maybe this is just the straight woman in me, is saying I would just pretend this was a friend for a long time. Right. Because of the distance, anytime we get together, there are overnights involved. Yeah. So the point at which I told them that I was dating her was the first time that she came to visit me here at my home Mm -hmm. because she was going to stay in my room with me. Okay. So that was when I said something to them. They were fine with it. The funny thing is, I think even though they knew that we were dating, it felt like having a girlfriend of mine come by. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like there, there's just another woman in the house. Mom sometimes has another woman in the house. They interact in a friendly way together when they are around each other. And I, I think that even though they knew it just felt safe in a way that mm. maybe it wouldn't. I don't have it to go by because I never had them around any of the guys that I dated. I really like that, though. It's almost like it feels like less pressure or something. Yeah, no, it's made it a lot easier for me, for sure. So interesting. Okay. So did they ever express discomfort around you being with a woman? No. In fact, I think it's been helpful for me with my kids. My middle child came out to me as transgender this past summer. Okay. And it's really helpful that, I mean, I'm not in this for that reason, but I mean, boy, do you feel supported when you see that your mom is comfortable enough with other lifestyles that she's actually hopping in and living them, you know? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great for them. Yeah. And what about her kids? How have they transitioned? Well, there's not a weirdness to the gender issue because they had two moms. They both seem comfortable around me. They like my kids, but um, she has a boy and a girl. Her daughter, when we first got together, like Anytime I step near her mom, the daughter's watching, you know, mm. she just would suddenly appear and <laughs> from around the I mean, corner. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We both laughed about it. I think that she just, you know, <laughs> wants to find out what this new dynamic is and where yeah. is this going and what's going to be happening, you know, and yeah. she's really friendly and likes me, but she's keeping an eye on me also. Of course. Yeah. So the only other time I've talked to someone who is dating another widow was a male-female dynamic. And so I am curious from your perspective what it's like to have two female widows and what that's like. It's the weird part is when I say girlfriend, Mm -hmm. people assume I just mean my friend. Mm. And it feels weird to differentiate because it's Mm -hmm. like, it, it just feels awkward in a conversation to be like my girlfriend, the one that I'm dating, you know? Yeah. Like, So I just don't. And so then I feel odd when I walk away from a situation knowing that I just had a whole conversation with someone talking about a person I'm dating and that person had no idea the whole time, even from when it was over. Yeah. It's frustrating because I feel like I kind of want to come out with my relationship. I want to tell everyone. It's great. I love it. And I want everyone to know. And then I'll like say, well, and you know, now I, you know, me and my girlfriend and like the person will be like, oh, that's nice. And I'll think, oh, that didn't land. Oh, well, you know, so, so that part's weird. Have you tried the, my partner and then she? It's thinking that, you know, that I need to to give it a go with partner and, and see if that goes better. My family does understand the nuance and they've been very, very supportive. I love that. I think that actually the distance is a harder thing for them because it's it's very weird that I know a person well that they've met yeah. once or twice. That's hard for my family too. Everybody's like, we love you. So we want to know him really well. And I'm like, Meh. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's going to take time. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to keep him for myself a little while longer before we the thing. Yeah. I mean, we, the time we have for ourselves is so finite, you know, yeah. it's these little pieces that, yeah, you don't always want to, it's a trade-off every time I introduce her to someone that's time we didn't get to spend alone. 
Yes, exactly. And like, there's this piece where I'm like, my husband and I argued about time with my family. I'm like, it's really nice to not have to negotiate that dynamic right now. Yeah, I see that. Okay. What did I not ask you that you want to tell us? Oh man, I don't know. We could go to quick questions. I just want to make sure. Let's do it. All right. So, um, so it sounds like you did Bumble and you did Tinder. Mm -hmm. Anything else? No, just those two. Okay. And did you put your widow status on the profile? Originally, yes. I took it off really fast when someone said that it was a safety issue, that I would get a lot of, yeah, I was told, yeah, don't put it there that you're just going to get a whole lot of, um, scammers. Thank you. Scammers. Yeah. Well, and I didn't realize early in that scammers would be so obvious that I wouldn't really need to stress about them. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So I took it off, but I always told people right away. Yeah, me too. I also, I think that's a really good point about the scammer thing. It's like, it feels pretty clear to me who the scammers are, right? Like if there's Mm -hmm. no, if there's nothing genuine, if it's a stock response, if they're too good looking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They only want to chat at 2 a.m. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you see yourself getting married again? I don't know. I would have said a while ago, I would have said no. Now I'm not sure. I know that in same-sex relationships, a lot of times it's an issue of safety with medical things and so on. So I don't know. Okay. Um, Any more children? No. The (laughs) hardest part of this whole thing has been managing a small, small child. Mm -hmm. I knew going into dating, I would want to date someone that had children, not because I love having lots of children around, but I mean, you just don't get it if you don't have them. But I knew that an absolute deal breaker was no one could be younger than my youngest. Okay, fair enough. That has to be the end of the story for me. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that makes so much sense. Okay, so you already talked about having sleepovers in your bed. Yeah, but and... I do want to say, oh, yeah. because Dan died in my bed, that feels like a bigger mm-hmm. stigma than the fact that it was our marriage bed. Like, I very intentionally slept in our bed the very first night mm-hmm. because I thought in my head, if I don't sleep there right away, mm-hmm. this is going to be a thing and I'm going to have a hard time getting back into it. Times that I've had a babysitter stay here while I went somewhere else, I've said, you know, I have my room all set up. You can sleep in there or if you'd rather the couch. And I have one babysitter who's like, I'll I'll sleep on the couch. And I'm like, this is because Dan died in there. Right. And she's like, I didn't want to say that. And I'm like, it's fine. I mean, if you have a thing, it's it's fine. You know, I've made peace with it. But because my bed kind of carries that, it sort of overpowers any of the other stuff. Yeah. I had a similar experience after my husband died where the kids for the, like the first week would like sleep in my bed with me. And then I moved them to the floor next to my bed. And it was the same mindset. Like if I let them start sleeping with me now, they're going to sleep with me every night from here on out. Yeah. I just wasn't willing to do that. Not no judgment for people who do. It's just, that was not what I wanted. And so then I slowly moved them farther and farther away from me. And then they slept together in their room, you know, but that's cool. Yeah. I just, I wanted my own bed. No, that's a good thing to hear though, because so many widows really struggle with it. I was, my little guy was the only one who did sleep in a crib. The big two co-slept with us. I was so grateful that he was in a crib because I needed some time to just be me by myself. Yeah. It's just so hard when you have kids to have a chance to just breathe and be by yourself and start to process what you've been going through. And I desperately wanted my bed for myself. Yeah. That's just how I felt. Okay. At what point did your widow's fire kick in? I know Mm. it was there because you were on Tinder. For sure. (laughs) Um, No, but I think it kicked in before that. And that COVID year of 2020, I actually, I purchased a stupid expensive toy like mm. so much money mm-hmm. and i wasn't sorry i it and i'm still not i mean that yeah. was something that made a massive difference for me when i just was not ready to navigate the idea of being another human who wasn't dan that was involved in any of those needs like yeah. was just that's so unfathomable and yeah. your body is still there being a body you know mm-hmm. and yeah. especially when everything's just cut off Yes. Yeah. Warning. So it was probably a little after the year mark. Okay. Well, good for you getting that 
Good toy. Okay. What have you done or did you do with your wedding ring? New question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Right now it is in a drawer with Dan's wedding rings. I wore it for a while. And then um, it's interesting because I didn't have plans to take it off. And I had a piece of cremation jewelry made, a ring with his ashes in it. Mm -hmm. And I had intended it for my middle finger. And when it came, it didn't fit the middle and it did fit my ring. So I just switched them out. Since then, I've still kind of moved things around, but I never put the wedding ring back on. But I do wear my cremation jewelry every day. Okay. On your left ring finger, like where your wedding ring was? I did wear it on my left finger. I don't know when I moved it to my right hand, but yeah, that's where I moved it to originally. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, Let's talk about your song recommendations. Okay. The first one was Get Up by Shinedown. Danny really liked Shinedown. Me, not that much. That mm-hmm. song was kind of getting a lot of radio play around when he passed. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like, it was sort of resonating to me. And then someone said to me, Stephanie, you have to watch the video. So I'm like, okay. So I pull up the video. And not only is it clear from the video that it's resonating, because it's literally someone who died telling his surviving spouse that she needs to, it's okay, you can do this, get up and go do things. But also the lead singer of the band looks startlingly like my husband. Oh, interesting. So it was like, whoa. Okay. So, but that was a song that was just kind of a good one to remind me to kind of steal myself for the next thing that I had to walk into because there are so many moments where you just feel broken and you need to go do what you have to do next. Yeah. And the second song I recommended, Say, by John Mayer, um, Mm. I felt really silenced. Maybe as a widow, even though no one's silencing you, I just feel like there's this huge unspoken experience. Mm -hmm. And I felt like nobody knew what was going on for me. And I had all these thoughts by myself. And Mm -hmm. that song just really made me feel like be brave enough to tell whoever it is how you feel, what's going on. Your experience is valid and real. And And is that why you started Grief the Fish? Yeah. I mean, I started it because the words were coming and I needed a place to put them. Yeah. And then I found as I was doing that and as I was chatting with my different widow friends, that's when I started to recognize that grief coaching was really a natural fit for me. And I left my job and I became a grief coach. And so Grief the Fitch has shifted a little bit to a professional page. It's still kind of balances on the middle. I love the grief community that I interact with there. And, you know, if I resonate with somebody who is looking for something more, that is absolutely great. And if not, I'm just grief the fish over there as it is. So, yeah. And so people can find your coaching services there too, right? Yes. Okay. Awesome. So two last questions. One is what do you think you've learned about yourself or how have you changed the most since your husband's death? Oh, I've really started to see what he sees in me. Mm. And that's made me like myself more and feel like a much stronger person Mm -hmm. when when you're in a marriage and the two of you kind of have this thing that is in the middle that is the bulk of you and the parts that are just you individually are kind of the smaller parts off to the side you don't realize that there are things that you just rely on the other person to do and there are parts of dan that i really leaned on like dan was an incredibly friendly outgoing person and i really leaned on him in social situations to be an icebreaker and stuff like Mm -hmm. that And now I have to do it myself. And it's been a shocking discovery to Mm -hmm. find that part of the reason that he was that way is the things that come to you in this world when you reach out and speak to another person are amazing. Like Mm -hmm. the reason that Dan was such a light was because other people feed you. And I I didn't Mm -hmm. know, you know, I was afraid and the energy of other people just fed him. And now I get to have that experience and it's amazing. I love that so much. (laughs) That's so true. That's how I feel about the whole grief community. I'm so fed every day by this community and these people and it's delicious. 
I know the people that I've met, like the different perspectives that I've learned, the places mm-hmm. that I've learned about. There are little things. I mean, you know this because you're a travel person, but there are things you don't know about a place unless you know someone in a place because yeah. it wouldn't even occur to you to ask. You oh, know, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Okay. So final question is what's one thing you're really looking forward to? Me and the kids leave for New York to spend Thanksgiving with my girlfriend and her family. Oh, oh so fun. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, a big family gathering. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. Stephanie, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much. I love this podcast. It's, thank you. Yeah, it's just so validating all of the different experiences, like the ones that you had and the ones that you didn't have still always seem to have something to say to me. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I'm learning so much yeah. from all of you. Thanks for your bravery. Yep. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Interestingly, Stephanie ended by talking about her time with her girlfriend's family and over Thanksgiving. And I'm working on compiling some of your stories about what your plans are with your new partner over the holidays. In listening to some of these, I have to say, I think the theme is basically to be open-minded and to know that Things are shifting and changing, and it's like we just don't have the option of them being the same as they've always been. So I think that's hard, you know? The holidays are hard to begin with, and then adding in this extra part, while it can be exciting, is also sort of a lot to manage. Anyway, you will be able to find that holiday episode over on the Patreon. It will be a bonus for the week, so I will get it out sometime before next week's episode. And it will be part of the bonus bag tier, which is $10 a month. But I also do want to plug, the podcast is going to take a break in January and February. And I will also be pausing the Patreon so you don't have to pay for the Patreon while the podcast is on a break. That being said, you can't join the Patreon in January and February because it will be paused. But you will have access to all of the bonus material that's there already if you are already a member. So if you want to join in the month of December, this would be a good time because essentially you get two months free of access to all the content. And then you won't have to pay for January and February. And then in March when the podcast season three starts up again, then I will start those memberships up again and anybody else can join. So I also just want to thank for being a sponsor of the podcast and to remind you that if you are looking for therapy, And online therapy sounds like a good option for you, which I mean, who is that not a good option for because of logistics and timing and everything that you will get 10% off your first month's membership if you go to betterhelp.com slash dating after death. I really appreciate you all for listening, for the feedback, for your friendships, for the communication, for your vulnerability. And I know this is a hard time of year. I feel that. I feel you. You are not alone. And I am always here to chat if you want to reach out. Here's to finding a little bit of joy in this holiday season. Bye.